Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Laura D. Benedetto is America's happiness coach and the number one best-selling author of The Six Habits, practical tools for bringing your dreams to life. She is the CEO of Vision Advertising and a TEDx speaker. Laura is committed to making the world a better place through internal transformation. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. Did you know that a great accountant can double your business and save you tens of thousands of dollars every single year? But it's hard to find the good ones. That's where Accountant Hires comes in. They match you with an exceptional accountant in just seven days. Every accountant in their network is rigorously tested and vetted so you can focus on what matters. Hire a top accountant today at Accountant Hires. Go to masterleadership.org forward slash A-H. That's masterleadership.org forward slash A-H. Evan Robb's newest book with Corwin, Aiming High, offers leaders a framework for creating an environment where both effective instruction and a focus on social and emotional needs benefits all students and teachers. Evan maps a route to building a positive, trusting culture of collaboration, creativity, and empowerment. He is dedicating part of his earnings to helping schools purchase books for students. Order Aiming High by Evan Robb on Amazon. Welcome, Laura Benedetto. How are you? I'm so great. How are you? You are great. And you're sitting in your beautiful backyard in warm weather. I'm freezing. <laughs> well, it's been a little nippy lately, but uh, I'm actually in shorts for the first time since I moved here. So I'm thrilled. <laughs> oh, I need that warm energy to come through this interview. I'm going to give it all to you. We're gonna, I'm going to share. <laughs> so are you ready to pour into our listeners? Absolutely. Fantastic. Now, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. So my path to leadership has been an interesting one. I started my own business at 19 and I basically just needed a way to have a job without being fired or wanting to quit. Um, so it really wasn't this big noble thing. of I'm going to go start a company because I'm a legend. No, no, it was much more humble. I just couldn't stand working for other people. So I started a business and it grew and grew. And I still have it today. Here we are 21 years later, which is incredible. My baby has grown up and now can buy alcohol. And 
it's been an interesting ride because when you are uh, a new entrepreneur, you're brand new and you're just starting the business and it's like a service-based business, which mine is, you have a chief cook and bottle washer. You're, you're doing all the things. But when you discover that you'd like to actually grow the company and not be chief cook and bottle washer, that's when your leadership journey really begins because you have to learn to develop systems. You have to learn to delegate. You have to learn to let go. And you really have to learn to not just tell people what to do, but to truly lead from a place of inspiration versus fear and just like being a pain. So I was grateful, I still am, to find some wonderful people to work with me. And it was made possible that I could retire at 37 through all the systems that I put in place and the wonderful people that I had and have supporting me. And it gave me the freedom to basically sit with myself and discover that in my journey of leadership and entrepreneurship, I had essentially sold my soul to the devil and I burnt myself out like crazy and I made myself literally sick. I was suffering from leaky gut and some other issues. I was literally bleeding internally from years of stress and I was depressed and I was still feeling like an imposter after I had achieved so much. So I kind of had one of those come to Jesus moments with myself. Something is not right here and started to do some research. Well, what is happiness? Why am I not happy, but can I be? And if so, how? And I started to figure out a lot of things by researching and observing and really just taking a good hard look at what happiness really is. The things that I found changed my life and changed the constitution of who I am so dramatically. I was able to do the work to completely heal my gut. I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life. I sleep better. I finally am proud of my accomplishments. I've been able to take everything and I moved to Maui because of it. And I lived there for a year and a half and it was one of the best things I ever did. And then I moved to Florida and then I was able to be on the TEDx stage and number one best-selling author. And all of that was possible because I prioritized myself and my well-being. And the book, The Six Habits, is what I did to build joy. And it's the formula that anybody can follow. What an amazing journey. And <laughs> when you're talking about this and burnout, I can't help but think of my niece who's young and who's in that trend. And you try to talk to people, but they're not ready to receive. You I wasn't. Right? <laughs> you know, like, until you're ready then. But yep. you know, it's so intriguing to me that you still have that business that you started at 19. Yes, ma'am. What, what kind of business? So the company is Vision Advertising. It's based in Massachusetts and it is a full service marketing company. And we serve small to mid-sized companies under generally a hundred million in revenue. You know, a lot of people think of like small businesses, just like the one person that works out of their basement, but like small business to us is like a hundred employees and they've been around for like 10 years, but it's still kind of small and intimate. Everybody knows each other. I'm not talking to like huge conglomerates. It would be great to get one, but that's really not who we serve. I love serving like the scrappy little so-and-so that started a business and wanted to build it on their own terms. And then now it's bigger and it's like, okay, you're ready to expand. I'm here for you. So it's your story. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, we like to help those that are like ourselves, you know, people ask, you know, how do I find my ideal client? Usually you want to take a look at where you were five years ago, because that's usually your ideal client because you can offer so much to that person because you got the been there, done that with your skill that you can offer to that person. So the business is still doing well. I've got my successor in place. 
2020 was not kind to us. Julia, my successor, got cancer and COVID hit the world at the same time. So that's been interesting. But Julia is basically Chuck Norris in a dress. Nothing can take her out. Nothing. So she's still kicking ass and taking names and company is still growing inexplicably. It's still growing and I'm super grateful. You know, it's interesting to me too, that at 19, you knew what you wanted. Well, tell us about that because it's longevity tells me that you knew something at 19 that you put into place. Sort of. Sometimes it's more powerful to know what you don't want. And at 19, I didn't know what I wanted, but thank you so much for accusing me of that. I wish I could take credit. (laughs) No, I actually really knew what I didn't want. I knew that I didn't want to work for someone else. I knew that I didn't want to be paid far below my worth. I knew that I didn't want to work endless hours for someone else. I didn't want to work in a bar serving cocktails because I was a cocktail waitress at one point. And this was before they banned smoking indoors. So I didn't want to go home smelling like an ashtray every day. And Uh, I just knew what I didn't want. I wanted to be respected. I wanted to do things my way. And I wanted to use my brain and be able to creatively problem solve and help people. I didn't know what that would look like. And, you know, marketing was a nice way that I could do it. I've never been overly attached to it. I'm just insanely good at it. But helping people has always been the core of what I love. And now I do that with the six habits and it's a totally different approach. It's the same thing. I I like to help people and I like to help people be happy. And for some people with my skills, it's by way of helping them with entrepreneurship and marketing and with others, it's about finding self and loving self. And for others still, it's all of it. It's both. I love it. Now, where can we connect with you? So if you're a brave soul that can pronounce my last name like you, you can go to lauradibenedetto.com. But if you're not that brave, you can go to thesixhabits.com, thesixhabits.com. Fantastic. Thank you. Now you mentioned COVID and what happened and how that affected you and your organization. What are some quotes, advice, or practices that help you during crisis? Don't really have any quotes that help in crisis, but like one in particular that I just use all the time is slow down to hurry up. Few problems can't wait. I mean, you know, if you've just severed a limb, no, that really can't wait, but things in the business world can largely wait. Even though we don't feel like they can, mostly they can. Slow down to hurry up allows us to gain clarity. Many times over the course of my life and my career, COVID included, you know, you'll be faced with a challenge and you don't really know what to do. And sometimes the most brilliant thing you can do is actually walk away and give yourself the opportunity to go inward, reflect, think on other things, and really just let your subconscious do the work for you. Give yourself a couple days, a week or whatever, and you'll have the problem. And it's something where it doesn't feel so heightened. And I think one of the big mistakes that a lot of people in business and just humans make in general is we get very emotional about our problems. Oh my God, COVID is so bad. Oh my God, cancer is so bad. Yes, that's true. And cancer is not going to kill you in two days. COVID isn't going to kill your company in two days. Take a minute. Take the emotional angst and the emergency big feelings out of it. Return to your tranquil place where you make good decisions. Nobody ever made a good decision in a moment of crisis, ever. Unless you're Batman. I'm not Batman, so I can't do that. Stillness is what we need. So slow down to hurry up. It's funny because it doesn't seem like that's your nature. It's certainly not my nature. 
Where did you learn that? Or was there something that occurred in your life where you needed to learn to slow down? No, it's actually not in my nature organically, but it doesn't mean that you can't plant things in your garden at any time. So it is in my nature now. I remember I worked very hard from like 19 up and I would go on vacation and I started to notice probably somewhere in my mid twenties, like, wow, I always come back with a fresher approach and a clear mind and the ability to really solve this problem from a much better, higher perspective when I have time off. So being the stubborn human that I am around the 500th time that I noticed the pattern, I was like, Hey, there's a pattern here. Well, some of us do it quicker than others. <laughs> I, think I know. Oh my God. I, I freely admit I'm late to the party on that one, unless I'm packed, like actively looking for the pattern. But in this case, I just noticed this probably like in my mid twenties. And I was like, huh? All right. Well, I got a big problem to solve. I'm just going to let it sit for a bit. I'm going to just put it in the parking lot and let it just age and deal with it. And I've since accelerated and really grown this practice over the years to like, if I've got a really big problem, I've been known to take a week off when confronted with a really big problem. And it's like, okay, well, I need a serious level of like intuition, tranquility, and like spiritual knowing to be able to handle this. I can't do this when I'm this close to it. And I've also known this about myself for a long time that anytime I'm too close to something, I can't pull my arms all the way around it. I can't solve it successfully. I must have the perspective of distance to be able to actually correctly do anything. It's like, if there's a problem in my relationship at home and I'm fighting with my husband or I'm like having an issue with a client, they're not happy about something or Julia's got cancer. Like you really got to make a good decision and sometimes distance and proper perspective will help you do that. So the more I've done that, God, the better it's been, the better decisions I make. Also the less I work. So it's kind of a double win. <laughs> I love that. It's so valuable because I was slow <laughs> to come to this too. Um, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> no, but you are much better because I didn't get this until about my 40s. And it was more be still. And yeah. it was hard for me to be still. It's still a little hard, but I listen to it more. And I've spoken about this. You know, I make decisions quickly and I learn to be still. And perhaps I don't have to make an A or B decision and maybe a C option comes up that's even better. And so those are the mm -hmm. things that I've learned. So when you said slow down or hurry up, it really spoke to me, but I got there a lot later than you did. But thank Whatever, you, so you got there. That's the important that's part. That's right. That is absolutely right. And I thank you for sharing because those that are listening really need to hear this, especially women, because we tend to go, go, go. And all the things you spoke about, burnout, imposter syndrome, all those things we're absolutely. playing with or, you know, we take on. So thank you. I appreciate You're welcome. It. I'd actually love to add one little thing for the listeners, especially as women, we have a tendency to take on other people's poor decisions. And because of a lack of planning on their part, we will often interpret it as an emergency on our part that we need to respond to. And we don't. So I've dealt with this in my personal life and in my professional life, and it seems very cold, right? And there's ways that you can say this that are very nice, but no matter what, you need to embody the mentality of failure to plan on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part and really get good with boundaries and really just kind of live the principles of like, wow, that really sucks for you. I still need tranquility and time to solve this if... I'm going to solve it, but chances are you can solve it. And that's another thing that I learned over the years is sometimes when you're letting a problem age, 
which is important. And it's like counter to everything we're taught. Sometimes it either works itself out, someone else solves it because they're treating it like an emergency when it's not, or it just goes away. And sometimes the problem just ceases to exist. And, you know, if we're constantly just like running from thing to thing to thing and just putting out fires, when are we building our joyful lives? When are we building our empires if we're doing nothing but running around like a Mickey Mouse cartoon trying to put out these little fires? Yeah, I wrote down, your lack of planning is not my emergency. (laughs) So Laura, as a lifelong learner, which you clearly are, what are you learning right now? Well, I've never been very good at this, but I am learning whether I like it or not. The divine art of surrender. I am learning that against my will, hence the term surrender. So I moved to Florida. And when you move from the Hawaiian Islands or even to, your stuff goes into a shipping container and it has to go across the ocean. And if you happen to live in California near Long Beach, good for you. You'll get your stuff somewhat soon. I don't. And I originally moved from Massachusetts to Hawaii. So you have to be patient and you have to learn that things happen on a timeline sometimes that is not within your control. So right now you're seeing this video of me and I am sitting at patio furniture, which is essentially the only furniture I have currently because the rest of it is in a box somewhere in Long Beach. And I've had to surrender and be one with the fact that I am camping in my own house and I'm good with it. How long? (laughs) I've been here three weeks and there's a possibility that it will be anywhere from three to eight weeks longer. It was supposed to be two weeks from now, but because of extensive delays at the uh, container yard, I don't do the whole helplessness thing real well. So like me and surrender, there is a reason I'm being called to learn this lesson right now. I would like to know what the hell it is, but I'm being called to learn this lesson for a reason. It's like, okay, universe, you're not funny. I don't want to learn this one. (laughs) isn't that something to me patience and surrender it's almost like the trilogy the humility factor is in there too and there's a scripture that comes to mind be still and know that i am god and also that he makes me lie down in green pastures and sometimes i don't see the pastures as green but it is one of the hardest things to do but one of the great things about humility for me that i've learned is that there's a strong connection between humility and wisdom and it takes a while to cultivate that and i wish it weren't because i don't like humility too much preach (laughs) sister (laughs) i'm not the most humble person but you know sometimes when you have to eat crow and mm, it does pan out it does work i spiritually feel everything you are saying to me like right right in there Yeah, it's intense. But you know, it's also part of your journey in leadership and leading yourself well, leading others well. So there's a lot to learn. So when you do figure it out, please let me know because I rejoice when people's stories become bigger. And well, if I can ever wrap my arms around this whole surrender thing, which I have a feeling will be very much on the divine timing that is meant to be the lesson and all of it and how to do it will be there at some point. There's a reason I didn't write a book about surrender. I wrote a book about habits, those you can control, those you can absolutely type A your way into mastery of. Surrender, you have to do the opposite. Damn it. Oh, I love it. Okay. So Laura, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? What most concerns me? God, that's a good question. I think people not realizing the incredible amount of responsibility that comes with leadership. And also realizing when you are a leader, 
sports figures or leaders, whether they want to be or not, and the choices they make on and off the field have an impact to the young minds that idolize them. As parents, we are leaders. And if we are dismissing the importance of what we do more than what we say, that's a mistake. I think business owners and, you know, just like layers of management, obviously those are more like accessible types of leadership that we're used to hearing about. And I think it's very easy for us to assume that leadership is just being in charge of stuff, delegating and telling people what to do. And I think a lot of people are getting it right. Honestly, there's a lot of good that's come out of this whole pandemic thing. It's really, you know, given families more quality time, which is both a blessing and a curse, but it's also given families an opportunity to really see exactly like what it is that they stand for as a family. And well, what kind of leader do I want to be to my children and my family? And what do I want to do in my business and stuff like that? And, you know, when you have clarity, you get to make intentional decisions and really decide how you want to show up. And if you're really leading effectively, no matter what you're leading, you're doing it by example, and you're doing it through inspiration, not fear, not slamming people down, none of those things, but inspiration and example. Love that. Inspiration and example. Um, I operate mostly in the space of education. And I started this journey because I saw how we needed to up-level our leadership and education. And I believe that leadership should be taught in schools. In fact, you know, a lot of leadership is about social emotional skills. Do you know what we teach that in preschool? <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with you. Leadership skills are the things that we learn, like sharing and class projects. You're so right. So I'm on this journey to continue to up-level leadership. And so most of our listeners are either educators or ed leaders. It's expanded since I started. I started in 2016 because I said, oh my gosh, what is my responsibility here in helping people to learn what good leadership looks like? And so in the process, I'm learning so much because I do get to connect with people like yourself. So I really appreciate your time, your energy, your love, and I'm feeling the heat. I'm feeling the heat, girl. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I love it. All right. So we're at a point in our interview where you get to either take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge, a struggle or failure that you learned from. I would have to say a challenge that I learned from, which was burnout. I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about what not to do. I learned a lot about how critical it is for us to take care of ourselves and the consequences of when you don't. What did burnout look like for you? Well, it was the gut health, stress, et cetera, et cetera. Literally, I was destroying my health, but I couldn't see it because I looked real good on the outside. And I realized very powerful things. Like you cannot neglect your insides. You can't. And just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean that it's in great shape. Like my, my husband smokes cigarettes and I wish he wouldn't because just because you can't see your lungs doesn't mean they're all pink and healthy after smoking for nearly 40 years. I don't think they are. Mm -hmm. So, but he's like, no, I'm fine. Okay. But like for me, I was taking on loads and loads of stress and I was like, 
I'm fine, just as stubborn. So I say this with no judgment towards him or anyone that's listening that's a smoker. Like we all do it. And girl, I was like killing my gut. I had given myself so much stress that I had really low immunity. I was getting sinus infections all the time. I was getting all these things that required me to have loads of antibiotics. And having all these antibiotics was meaning that I was basically just slowly destroying all of my good, healthy gut flora. And where do you think your immunity comes from? It comes from your thyroid, it comes from your spleen, and it comes from your gut. And I was destroying my immunity and basically marching my way towards precancer and diverticulitis and a couple other things, all because of stress. So burnout was those things and feeling the symptoms for three years before screaming uncle. It was depression. It was exhaustion. It was really being a very cranky version of myself that I don't like a whole lot and few others like. I mean, shoot, you're just living your worst life and you're being your worst self. And that's what burnout looks like. I mean, it got so bad that at the end, the thing that spurned me on to like write the book and do the research, I was so depressed. I felt like crap. I was sick and I was so like just depleted. I remember actually staying in bed for like three or four days with depression and just staring at the wall in like catatonic stupor. That's how depressed and depleted I was. And that's what burnout looks like. And it's avoidable, preventable. And it's actually our responsibility as leaders to prevent that and show by example, how important it is to take care of your health, your well-being, your mental fortitude, everything. And don't think it's like silly or poo-poo it. We're not machines. We're humans. We're squishy. It's okay. You know, that's such an important topic because a lot of our listeners were type A personalities, especially in education, and we're like this, and we think we can do it all. And I experienced burnout too in my late 30s. Um, I went a lot longer than you did because I was, I think, more stubborn. Oh, I was burnt out at 37. That's when I hit the wall. Yeah, that's around the time that it happens. Um, But I remember getting up and not even being able to speak. That's awful. Like like I had to shuffle and it was the scariest thing. Like what's going on? And then I started to kind of come into awareness, see how I was destroying my body and not taking care of myself because I'm superhuman for some reason. So I love that you speak on it because it is something that we really need to listen to. I hope we can get past our stubbornness and our bulletproof complexes to realize we're not bulletproof. Listen to everything you said. Listen to everything I just said. It's important. Well-being is critical. Absolutely. So as a listener of this podcast, Laura, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? What is the one thing that you did wrong with one of the people that reported to you that has forever changed how you lead? I think as leaders, we need to be receptive. And I, everyone that's ever worked for me will tell you this. I make mistakes and lots of them. But if we're good leaders, we listen to our mistakes. And when our team members give us critical feedback, we don't just sit there, well, I'm the boss. You can't talk to me like that. You listen, you take it in, you learn from it, and hopefully you grow. I mean, I learned a lot of powerful things from my team, but I had to have the courage to listen. It wasn't easy. That's a powerful question. I love it. Thank you. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I would love to. The thing that I found in my research, it's such a big part of what I love and what I care about. I always want to talk about it. The research that I did was to basically save myself. Right. And I wrote the book so other people could save themselves and I give them the recipe. Right. But I found one core truth 
that was actually the basis of my TED talk. It's that our mental habits actually determine our lives. So if we have a great relationship with ourselves and we have a great relationship with life and what happens, we tend to have great results and our dreams tend to come true and things like that. They happen and they're possible for us. But then when we don't, we talk ourselves away from our dreams. We're not proud of ourselves. We take things for granted. We're distracted. We're checked out. We don't go after the things we want. We don't believe in ourselves. And, you know, I managed to build success when I was living with very poor mental habits. And I did it because I sold my soul to do it, right? But there's an easier way. And that's what I really want to share with people. So I think that there is a lot to be learned when we go within, when we explore ourselves and really get real about, well, what are my mental habits? I mean, you can learn about the habits in the book. They're all in there. It's at the sixhabits.com. But like the idea that we need to actually explore our mental habits and how do we habitually respond to stress? How do we habitually respond to someone else's emergency? Do we jump right into action and set our own needs aside? Do we always put ourselves last? Do we piss and moan about our problems or do we turn to gratitude and say, thank you for the lesson that's within. Do we put our phones down when we're on the beach and appreciate the sunset? Or do we need to have 500 pictures of the same thing? Like, how do we want to live our lives? And our mental habits are the very core of every aspect of life, work, personal, marriage, family, friendships, everything. Our mental habits determine how our lives go. And they're within our control. You can pick up a habit of smoking or not smoking or flossing or not flossing or having coffee or tea every day. And you can also pick up habits that make you hate yourself and live a life that really isn't what you want, but you've just kind of accidentally created it. Or you can powerfully build mental habits that fortify you and give you everything you've ever wanted in your life simply by changing your habitual thought patterns. So that would be my invitation. What I like to leave people with, just look at what you're thinking about. You know, our thoughts are generally repetitious day to day. They're the same ones over and over. And, you know, one of the key elements here is to have either a coach or a mentor or someone in your inner circle who can speak into your life. Because typically we don't see these things. A lot of us don't have that kind of support system. And, you know, it could be a coach, it could be a therapist, it could be a trusted friend that you have that kind of like super, like no holds barred type of honest relationship. Like somebody needs to get past the wall. Somebody's got to get past the wall, right? And you need to have someone that can call you on your crap. And when you're lying to yourself, says to you, I don't think so. We don't do that here. You know, and your therapist can do that. A good qualified life coach can do that. But whoever it is, they need to be able to take a look at what matters to you and help guide you from a place of love and no bias towards what they want and only bias towards what you want. Because let's say you have like a mom and their mom is going to help you, but maybe your mom happens to be narcissistic. The advice she gives you will not be good for you. It will be good for her right? So we have to be really mindful of who is helping us. And yes, it should be someone that you can really trust to be objective and truly serving your best interest. 
I mean, I believe in life coaching and I've been working with clients. I don't call myself a life coach. I am more of a life mastery coach. And I also do a lot of business consulting and things like that. It's super fun when I get to work with one person on all of those things. So like really working with an entrepreneur on like, I don't know, the mindset stuff, the mental habit stuff and the business stuff. It's like, Ooh, look at all the things I'm good at. Yes. Very fun. But yeah, the inner work is where it is. You know what? You probably even know this already, but the constitution of who we are and like our general composition of who we are as people determines what our businesses will look like, determines what our leadership legacy looks like. Your business, your legacy will only be as strong as you are. And if you are a mess, your efforts will be a mess. And for many years, I was not a great leader because I was not great inside. I'll be the first person to say that. I was not a friendly leader. I wasn't doing a lot of things that I should have been doing because I wasn't doing them for me. Right. right. Yep. So well said. And it's a great way to end our conversation here. I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been great. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much for chatting with me. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.